What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. We'll start off today's episode with it's it's the sports world's on fire because of it, and that's the New York Mets. And whenever the Mets get hot, it is like a national phenomenon. <laughs> you can't really explain it. Um, a few weeks ago, they were essentially dead in the water. They were like eight or nine games back of the second wild card spot. And now, as of today, August 7th, they are one and a half games back of the second wild card spot. And actually, as I'm recording this right now, they're playing a game against uh, the Miami Marlins. So they've won, the New York Mets have won 12 of their last 13 games to propel themselves all the way up to a potential wild card spot, which is something that no one really expected to happen. So the Mets were about like six games back, I think, when they acquired uh, Marcus Stroman from the Toronto Blue Jays. And I talked about it last week on last week's episode about if it was smart for them to to make that trade, like why was it was it worth it because you're are you really trying to make a push this year or are you just trying to revamp for next year with this on paper amazing 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 pitching staff and I mean I guess they answered my question because they are one and a half games back of a wild card spot so they're going for it this year I don't think that's something that anyone expected not even Mets fans to be honest um, I'm sure at the time, a lot of Mets fans thought the trade for Stroman was foolish. But here they are, in the hunt, and playing absolutely electric baseball. I read, again, last week's episode, I read Pete Alonzo's message that he wrote out in like the notes section of his iPhone, and then he tweeted it out. That rallied a lot of people. Not just the fans, either. A lot of people in the Mets clubhouse seem to have a whole new life after Alonzo just kind of trying to, you know, push some uh, adrenaline in them and some urgency. And a day later, I thought it was com- it was com- almost completely ruined by Brody uh, Van Wagnen. It was almost completely ruined by him. He tweeted out, Essentially the same exact thing as Pete Alonso, except with way too many words. It was like double the length of what Pete Alonso's was. And it essentially said the same thing. So when you got the suit from the front office saying the same shit that your star player was saying, it, it takes away from that sense of like, yeah, this is our guy. He wants us to believe in them, so we're gonna believe in them. And that's that's the end of it. Like, let's go get some let's go get some wins. Let's go make our way to the second wildcard spot. And everyone was hyped. And then Brody just comes in and it just puts like a wet blanket over it. But it didn't seem to affect the Mets that much. I'm sure I don't think anyone in the fan base ever wanted Brody to say a fucking single word. Uh he just took it upon himself to do that to piggyback off of whatever Peter Alonzo was saying. 
I'm not even a Mets fan, but it was frustrating to read that. Like, why the hell would you say anything? Regardless, the Mets have won 12 of their last 13 games. As they should have. As they should have. I'm going to give them a lot of credit because they haven't done it all year. They're, the, they're above 500 for the first time since, like, May, I think it was, or early June, some shit like that. It's been a long time since they were above 500. They're 58 and 56, and it's not easy to win 12 of 13 games, regardless of who you're playing. Like, on paper, you look at it and you're like, yeah, they should be 13 of 13 versus in, in that stretch that they're having. But baseball is a weird sport. Any team can beat any team on any given night. They swept the Pirates. They swept. Let's see. Oh, no, they actually won. So they're 13 of their last 15, if you want to go back a little further. Because that series with San Diego, the last series they lost, so it was they lost two or three to the Giants, and then they went to the Padres, or the Padres came to New York. They won. They took two of three from the Padres, and then they swept the Pirates. They swept the White Sox, and then they lost, they won two of three from the Pirates again, and now they're on the verge of sweeping a four-game set against the Miami Marlins. And they are currently up, actually, 2-0 at the end of the first. So the Mets scoring again in the first inning, that is something that has propelled them to this win streak, is that they are consistently scoring runs in the first inning, which has been a huge problem for the Mets, as I'm sure many Vets fans know, is that it is sometimes a struggle to score runs for the great starting pitching that they usually have. Sometimes they're start like there's a, every once in a while you'll have a Mats or a Syndergaard or even a Wheeler who can't get through like three or four innings and it's a struggle. Yeah, but those are anomalies. They're rarities. It doesn't really happen. So you're giving during this win streak, the Mets have been giving. One, two, three runs of support in the first inning for their starting pitchers who don't really give up more than three runs per outing. It's a recipe for winning. And they have continued to do it. And right now, just as I said, they're up to nothing. So they did it today as well. And you got Mats on the mound. They're, I mean, they're beating up on the Marlins. These were four wins that they needed to have. They really could not have afforded to lose any of these games. They're about to sweep him, and by the way, bottom of the first inning, it was Peter Alonzo, again, who I just was talking about. Pete Alonzo homering to left center field. Conforto was on base, so a two-run homer from Pete Alonzo. And that's something that has also been noted, is that during this stretch, the Mets have been getting it done primarily with a semi-slumping Pete Alonzo. I don't want to say he was completely slumping, he did. He has been hitting home runs. Like his power is still there, but now he. I think he has. That might have been his third home run in three days. The polar bear is awakening from his slumber, and NL teams beware because the Mets are hot. The boys are hot. Is their new their new slogan, which was taken from that rallying post that Alonzo had on Twitter. The boys are hot. And to be honest, 
That's so fucking cool. Like, that's, that's such a cool... I'm a Yankees fan, so, like, the whole savages, like, fucking savages in the box and stuff like that, that was cool. That was cool. I like it. Um, I like it a lot, actually. It's just, I don't know, the boys are hot, sounds like such a... Like, that. that is a great slogan for a young group of guys that the Mets have. The boys are hot. That is a that's a great slogan or a rallying cry, whatever the hell you want to call it. But I want I want to see the Mets get into the playoffs. I think it would be the opposite of everything the Mets have had for like the last decade. So they've always expected to they were always expected to be the team like even if they had a lead, like no lead especially after those two years at what was it? 07 and 08. No lead is safe. With the net, with the Mets, right? They can blow it at any time. That has been like their whole thing. It's not over to like till till 162 crosses. The season is not over because the Mets can blow it at any time. That was the feeling that you get when you watch the Mets. But now it, they could kind of just change the script this season if they were able to complete this comeback. So. There's still eight and a half games out of the NL East. That's pretty much unobtainable. You know, Atlanta is a very good team. Washington is not that far ahead. They're not that far ahead of the Mets. They're six games back. Atlanta has essentially the NL East in the bag. They're a very good team. Now, if you go to the wild card, and we'll get to the we'll get to the the American League in a little bit, but I want to finish talking about the Mets. So you got Washington has the first slot in the wild card. They're at 60 and 53. Philly currently has the second wild card spot at 59 and 54. And the other, there's actually a handful of teams still in the race. Uh, and it is the first week of August. So plenty of time left if you're these teams. St. Louis is a half game back. St. Louis is 50, 58 and 54. Milwaukee is 59 and 56. They're a game back of Philadelphia. The Mets are 58 and 56. They're a game and a half back of Philadelphia. Arizona is 57 and 57. They're two and a half back. San Francisco's 56 and 58. They're three and a half back. And Cincinnati's 54 and 58. They're four and a half back. I'll tell you, that's doable for a lot of teams. I I personally don't think that Cincinnati and San Francisco have a shot. Um, I think Arizona's pretty much done now also, considering they traded Granky to the uh, the Astros, those rat bastards. By the way, Granky made his first appearance in an Astros uniform last night, and he gave up five runs. The Astros won the game, but he did give up five runs. I'll get into that, because I wasn't able to talk about it last week, because the episode... I recorded it and posted it before the trade deadline was over, so I didn't get to, and that Granky trade to to Houston happened literally at the deadline at four o'clock, so I didn't get a chance to uh, to talk about it. But I might give my two cents when we transition from the Mets. But anyway, the the Mets are in it. They are in it. It's going to be down to the wire. They. Certainly have the pitching staff to keep them in it. The way the offense is performing, 
everyone's hitting. They're getting con- uh, contributions from pretty much up and down the lineup. Obviously, your your big bats in McNeil, Alonzo, and Conforto are the ones you expect to carry the load. But if you get... And the Robinson-Cano injury did not help. Cano was actually heating up during this win streak. He's playing really well, and... Uh, he had a, I think he has a, a tear in his hamstring or his quad. Uh, it, it's not good. They didn't set a timetable. They said he doesn't need surgery, but they didn't set a timetable. He, I think he's done. He's what, 35 years old? Shut him down. Shut him down. He's done. Which is unfortunate, but at the same time, you got Jeff McNeil now. Manning, uh, Manning second base. J.D. Davis has been phenomenal also. Uh, a lot of young talent for the Mets. A lot of young talent. Those those three guys, and I would even say J.D. Davis to an extent just because he's been terrific this year. Uh, those four guys are going to be the, the key parts of this run because if they're hitting, the offense is moving. And then, of course, you have a phenomenal pitching staff where I don't think you'll have to really worry about that. The key concern, obviously, here is the bullpen. Seth Lugo has been great. Everyone else up in the air. It's tough. It is It is very, very, very tough. I'm, of course, going to go watch the Mets after I finish recording this. And... Hopefully see them get a win. I I like when the Mets do well. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I enjoy when the Mets do well. Um, I'm not a huge fan of those uh those miserable, miserable, miserable Mets fans who enjoy when the Yankees lose. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense. I I, I don't really like it, it is little brother syndrome. Um, I don't see how the Yankees winning or losing affects your life in the slightest. Uh, obviously, the the Mets winning or losing doesn't really affect my life too much. But I do... A part of me does enjoy when the Mets are doing well because of that rivalry and how the Mets always... Mets fans, sorry. Mets fans always kind of like to, to start arguments with, with Yankees fans. Again, because of that little brother syndrome, but it, it happens. Uh, so I, I always want the Mets to do well. I enjoy when they're doing well. Uh, they're especially this year. There's uh, with this this streak. There's this uh, that they've been on. There's this uh, this aura that they have that is very similar to that 2006 team that they had with Reyes and Wright and you know Delgado, Beltran, all these guys who were very good young players in their primes, like, having fun. Especially Wright and Reyes. Those are my guys. Those are my dogs. So this team is, it's giving me those vibes a little bit with, you know, Alonzo and Conforto, and now Stroman's in there also. It's it's good to see. And I'm glad that the Mets have found their their core group of guys for the future. Now it's all about, Will the Mets, can can the Mets, will the Mets, will the Wilpons keep this rotation intact that on paper 
might be the best rotation in baseball. Are it's arguably on paper, obviously. Like like obviously I know the Astros are probably like that's that's the rotation you're going with for best best in baseball, and I won't argue it. But the Mets are definitely up there for best one of the best rotations in baseball. I don't think that's very debatable. So will the Wilpons keep the rotation? And will they sign, be willing? First of all, the bullpen has to be the number one thing addressed in this offseason. Regardless of the outcome of the season, whether the Mets make the playoffs, they miss the playoffs, however, if they make the playoffs, however far they get, it does not matter. They need to address their bullpen problems because you're never going to win without a bullpen. You're just not, it doesn't matter how good your starting pitching is, how good your hitting is. If you don't have a good bullpen, you'll never win. So the, that has to be the number one concern. And then I'd say after you sign, I, I, I'd say bare minimum three guys for your bullpen. If you come away with two, that's fine. One, I don't really think is acceptable. I would like to see the Mets sign three guys for the bullpen. Once you do that, if they could add at least one bat, one above average player, you got to look for those gems. Granted, I- I'm going to comp- like, you got to look for those gems like the Yankees have. They got Gio Urshela, Mike Talkman, who's been on an absolute tear. Guys, DJ LeMayhew, who wasn't really a sought-after free agent, is an absolute stud this year. Got those three guys, Talkman, Urshela, guys who didn't really get a shot in the major leagues, lit it up in the minors. Now they get their shot and they're producing. And then, of course, LeMayhew, a guy who's kind of under the radar, but he has that track record of being a successful hitter. He's a DJ LeMayhew is a pure hitter. It's an added bonus that he's also set his career high with home runs this year with the Yankees. That's just an added bonus. You didn't sign DJ LeMayhew because you wanted him to hit a lot of home runs at the top of the lineup. You signed DJ LeMayhew because he's an ex-MLB batting champion. That's why you signed him. You need to find guys like that. Jed Lowry was supposed to be that kind of guy for the Mets, but he might as well be dead. He won't. I, I. I honestly don't know if he'll ever suit up in a Mets uniform. We'll see. If he could somehow come back and actually play next year and contribute to the Mets, that's a win. And then on top of that, if you sign another above-average guy like Jed Lowry, like around his talent level, I would say that's also a win-win. Five guys I would like to see the Mets sign. Five, and that's a lot. That is asking for a lot from the Will Ponds, a lot from Brody, and a lot from the Mets. Is signing five guys in the offseason. I don't think it's happening, but I would very much like to see it happen. Three bullpen guys, two bats. If you want to split it up, get a guy who you know is going to start. You can plug him into your lineup. He's going to be productive. And then give get like a, a utility guy or whatever. Who knows? I just know that the Robinson Cano contract makes everything more complicated. You have less money. And you also, ha- when Cano's healthy, you got to play him. You got to play him. 
You're paying him too much money to let him just sit on the bench. So I get from that perspective that when he's healthy, you got to play him. But also, that that puts guys who are actually very, very good, like Jeff McNeil, in a tough spot. Because you need him in a bat. You need his, his bat in the lineup. For the next however many years he's playing ball, his bat needs to be in the lineup every day. And if you got Cano at second base, a position that McNeil is probably the most comfortable at, don't quote me on that, you have to move, that makes you move around your your defensive alignment with guys who may not be entirely comfortable where they're playing. McNeil in right field, he made a spectacular play uh, the other week, diving into the, the netting on the side of the field and making a catch. He's an athlete. I think he'll be able to adjust wherever he goes, but I think most people want to see him at second base. Third base, Todd Frazier has been reliable during this stretch, uh, offensively and defensively. But again, I don't like Todd Frazier's not your answer. He's getting up there in age. Obviously, his stats have dipped from what they once were. So hopefully that third base situation is addressed. First base, obviously, first base and shortstop, obviously, you're set with uh, Alonzo and Rosario. Wilson Ramos, your, your catcher situation can always improve, but Wilson Ramos for now is, is pretty solid. Uh, the outfield, Conforto and J.D. Davis, I think, should be playing every day in the corner outfields. But again, because you have to play Cano at second base, or you know the Mets feel like they have to play Cano at second base, McNeil's most likely going to be in right, and Conforto's going to be in center. Conforto can play center. He's young, he's athletic. He can manage center field for now. But I think he's most suited for right field. But for now, center field is fine. Last update on the Mets. They're now up 2-1. to one. In the top of the third, the Marlins scored a run. And that's enough about them. For the Yankees. Now my team. The Yankees currently are up nine games on Tampa Bay. <laughs> Is this what the Red Sox fa- Red Sox fans must have felt like last year? Oh, man, it's awesome. Uh, they're up nine games on Tampa Bay. Fifteen and a half on Boston. Oh, man, that feels good. 29 and a half on Toronto and 36 on Baltimore. Oh, man. That's great. That's great. That's great. Uh, So they sit at 74 and 39 on the season. They are currently on a seven-game win streak, which is including uh, dating back to a win against the Diamondbacks and then a sweep of the Red Sox, a four-game sweep of the Red Sox, which I think officially ended Boston's season. They are dead in the water. And then now they've won their first two games in Baltimore, and they play again tonight. The Yankees have hit The Yankees have hit 38 home runs at Camden Yards in just 9 games played this season. To put that into perspective, the Detroit Tigers, in 51 home games this season, 
have hit 36 home runs, two fewer than the Yankees. The San Francisco Giants, in 54 home games, have hit 39 home runs, just one more than the Yankees at Camden Yards. It's unbelievable. I mentioned Mike Talkman, the Sockman, as he's passionately referred to by many in the Yankees fan base. In his last 21 games, he's hitting 441, seven doubles, six home runs, 22 RBIs, and 20 runs scored. That 441 average in the last 21 games is obviously the best in the MLB. By the way, I was uh, I was right before when I said Alonzo homered in three straight games. He has. He's homered in three straight games, three straight days. So safe to say he is breaking out of his little slump he had. Anyway, back with the Yankees. Um, Talkman has been absolutely on fire. The Yankees started this season with a massive amount of injuries. Massive amount of injuries. And they just had to kind of plug the holes with guys from AAA, guys from AA, guys who were on the bench in the bigs. And they had to plug all these holes. And they played really well. Then everyone got healthy. Or the bats, sorry. The bats got healthy. There's still some pitchers that are out. Patances, Severino, they're still out. Although it's reported that Severino might come back in a few weeks. At... I'm not holding my breath on him. I have fully accepted that Severino will be out for the year. Now, and then Batances, I have no idea what's going on with him. Now, the Yankees, all their their bats have been healthy for quite some time now. And they are absolutely dominating. There's not a single easy out in the lineup, regardless of if you're giving guys rest or not, like if Sanchez is out and Romine and you plug Romine in, right? Sanchez gets the day off. Happened yesterday. Sanchez got the day off. Romine was catching. He hit a home run. The Yankees, I believe, had six home six solo home runs last night. Gardner, Mabin, LeMayhew, Romine. I'm forgetting other people. Didi Gregorius hit one. Uh, That's five. I'm forgetting someone. But they were belting home runs left and right. And, I mean, it's kind of unfair when the Yankees are playing in Camden Yards. I, I feel bad for the Orioles. It, it was It's kind of like watching a, a, like a youth team play play a professional team it's not great uh the Yankees are just it's a different stratosphere so like they're easy they're easy beat them up wins whatever every team every good team uh has at least one of those when you're playing like a division opponent I won't even say rival because the Orioles aren't rivals they're too bad to be considered rivals but the Yankees have they've had their their starting pitching has been pretty solid um, they've the most they've given up in this this little win streak is six runs to the Orioles, actually. Uh but you read it off like in the, in this in this win streak, dating back to the last win. Seven five against the Diamondbacks, 
4-2 against the Red Sox, 9-2 against the Red Sox, 6-4, 7-4 against the Red Sox, 9-6 against the Orioles, 9-4 against the Orioles. So, I'm not going to lie. The starting pitching come playoff time does make me a tad nervous. Um, Yes, the lineup does ease my concerns because I am very confident that against any pitching rotation, the Yankees can score at least four runs. Like, even against, unless it's against Justin Verlander, I have no confidence the Yankees hit against Justin Verlander. If the Yankees meet Houston in the playoffs, which is a strong possibility, I, I, I just mark it up as a loss immediately against Verlander. He is the scariest pitcher I... I ever seen against the Yankees. I I don't know what it is. Even dating back to his days in Detroit, he would like just absolute domination against the Yankees. It's I mean, he's he's been dominant against a lot of teams. It's not just the Yankees. But for me, it's scarring to see that. He I just mark it up as an L every single time. He's due to pitch against the Yankees in some type of playoff series or whatever. He's he's a monster, man. He's a monster. Everyone else, I'm fairly confident the Yankees can beat. I I can I I like the Yankees against. Uh, I believe in the Yankees against Garrett Cole, Zach Granke, what's his name? Drew Smiley. Wiley, whatever his name is, he, no. I don't think he'll hold up. I really don't. That might sound foolish, but so be it. That's my hot take. Wade Miley, by the way. Sorry, I got your name wrong. And now they have Aaron Sanchez, too, who I can give less of a hoot about. They got him from Toronto, I think. He, uh, no. No. No, 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 no. I, I don't, I... Do not care at all about Aaron Sanchez. Non-threat. But I've actually talked about a a good amount of baseball, which I'm happy about. We haven't had much of in-depth baseball discussion in in the past few weeks, so I'm glad I was able to get my baseball fix in. I know a lot of it was about the Mets, and, you know, rightfully so. They're on an absolute tear, uh, making headlines everywhere because of it and with the Yankees it's you know it's more of the same it's it sounds super cocky it sounds like you know privileged baseball fan whatever but yeah yeah I am I'm a privileged baseball fan uh the Yankees have always been my team so I've always enjoyed a copious amounts of wins that's what I expect. I expect winners with the Yankees. And it's just been more of the same. They're just beating up on a lot of teams right now. It's just the way it is. They win baseball games. And they win them by scoring a lot of runs. That's that's what it is. It's just more of the same for the Yankees. So, yes, a majority of this was dominated by Mets talk. One other thing, and then I'll end on this note. 
not baseball related. Basketball, actually, and it's the projected USA basketball roster for the FIBA World Championships or whatever. FIBA has taken a sharp decline in what it used to be. So people remember FIBA back in the day. Guys like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were playing for the FIBA USA team. Studs. Young kids, but studs. There is a reason why none of these bona fide stars like to partake in FIBA anymore. The Olympics is one thing. Obviously, the Olympics is a huge deal. You know, these guys want to represent their country. But on a smaller stage like FIBA, a few years ago, I'm sure many people who follow basketball, everyone who follows basketball remember Paul George snapping his leg in half at a FIBA practice. Paul George was participating on that FIBA team. I'm going to try and pull up the roster. But there were there were stars it, USA Showcase 2013 and I mentioned Durant and those guys uh playing during the FIBA team. This was that year, 2013 or uh whatever it was, yeah, 2013. Durant, Anthony Davis, Paul George, James Harden, Derrick Rose, star, super young stars in the NBA playing for this team. I think everyone kind of, like, if you were a star star, like, you knew you were a real star in this league, I don't think you're going to be participating in FIBA anymore. I think after that Paul George injury, everyone was kind of like, is it even fucking worth it? So right now, the current USA basketball roster is just filled. There's a, ha- a, a like a few, and I really do mean a few stars, and then a couple of up and coming like potential stars. So they listed them. This is in alphabetical order by last name: uh, Bam Adebayo, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez. Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Donovan Mitchell, Mason Plumley, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, PJ Tucker, Miles Turner, Kemba Walker, Thaddeus Young. So I I would say right off the bat, the, the most talented guy on that team is Kemba Walker. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is certainly up there. He's very young. This is only going to be his third year in the league, but he is uh uh he he showed his rookie year. He is a veteran leader, even though he's a young kid. So Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum to an extent, although I didn't really like what I saw from him last year. He didn't really improve at all. I actually think he regressed. But Kyle Kuzma, certainly an up and comer. Same thing with Jalen Brown. Bam Adebayo it, uh, provides you a lot. Miles Turner and Bam Adebayo, those are your defensive guys, of course. Uh, Marcus Smart. Listen, this team is going to... Chris Middleton was an all-star this year. He just got paid the big bucks um, by the bucks. There, There's talent on the team. Don't get me wrong. I think that this... They, they'll wipe the floor with anyone that steps on the court with them. No problem. But it's not as... 
That's not a roster you look at and you're like, wow, I can't wait to see all these guys play together. It, it's just not. Which is fine. They're still going to win. I think they'll still take home the gold in the FIBA World Championships. Don't don't get me wrong. But that's not a, a roster that necessarily sparks excitement. And I don't blame any of these big stars. Like, guys from the, the, the greatest team that I think was ever assembled. Sorry to the Dream Team. But the 2008 Olympic team, I think, can give the Dream Team a run for their money. Prime prime Dwayne Wade, prime LeBron, prime Kobe, prime Dwight Howard, Chris Paul. That's that's amazing. That is an amazing, amazing, amazing team. Chris Bosh, Mello. It's ridiculous. Prime Mello also. That's an absurd team. Anyway, I digress. I digress. I'm still going to... I'll still probably watch the FIBA... The FIBA games. Because, I mean... Am I... Does that roster spark excitement in me? No. Will they still be exciting to watch? Probably, yeah. It's always fun watching Team USA put up... uh, Get up 50 on, like, some poor European team. Anyway, I think that'll about wrap it up for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week, and enjoy your weekends.